Father God, Most High King, we come before you today, this Lord's Day, and confess our absolute inadequacy and our desperate need for you. God, we're not cool enough, we're not smart enough, we're not sharp enough. We are desperate for you to fill every heart and every home with your Ruach, your Holy Spirit, that you would breathe wind in our sails, that you would take us and sail us off the map of ministry where we have been to a place where none of us have been, a revival, a massive mighty move of God, that you would use every one of us to sow seeds into the kingdom of God and our lives would matter forever. So God, at every campus, whenever, wherever people are listening to this message, would you Would you move in incredible impact and let your sword of the spirit that is sharp and active and living cut between the thoughts, the intent, the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow. And would you lay us bare because we already are before you. Open us, expose us that we might make an eternal difference is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, Amen. Who's fired up to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. All of our campuses, we welcome our guests, whether you're online or in person, our God Behind Bars campuses, all of those that are live at one of our campuses, we're super stoked. We want you to know a couple things. We want you to know that we love you right where you are, just like you are. I mean, we love you. Also, we want so much more for you than we want from you. We want you to walk an absolute incredible, miraculous life. We want you to walk in the freedom and the abundant life that Jesus bought for you on the cross. And we want you to walk under an open heaven, but it's gonna require us lining up with heaven. So we swim, we we love you. If you're new, we're in a season here we call Heart for the Harvest. And in that season, part of what we do is 21 days of prayer. We've had two Saturday morning prayer meetings, nine o'clock at all of our physical campuses. It has been incredible, incredible. We have one more this coming Saturday and this coming weekend. Uh, Next weekend, we will be bringing our Heart for the Harvest offerings. So if you haven't been a part of that, come on. God needs to know that we're desperate for God to move. He knows that by our faith and our prayers. Are you with me? And so I wanna invite you because I'm really begging God for another mighty move of God at Faith Promise like we have seen the past generation experience. See, Faith Promise has an incredibly rich history of a move of God. We have been sowing seeds into the harvest field for almost three decades, and we have experienced more miracles than could be counted, more salvations. We will hit 10,000 baptisms before long. We will, come on somebody. We've seen more transformation, more life change, 12 campuses, so, so much more. Matter of fact, thousands of you this weekend are we, well, Faith Promise has reaped from what we have already sown. You're here. There are many of you here that were not even born when this campus was launched. I mean, when Faith Promise is launched as a movement. You're a part of what we sowed and prayed for. Let me tell you, this Bible is absolutely jam-packed with sowing and reaping. Not just because it was spoken to a predominantly agrarian society, but there is so much to understand in sowing and reaping. It's just sowing and reaping can work for you 
or it can work against you. The banks understand sowing of compound interest. Biggest, biggest buildings in every city in America are banks. Why? Because they understand sowing and reaping. See, you don't need to be saved to experience sowing and reaping. We all sow, we all reap. It can come to our benefit. There are people here this weekend, you have sown bad seed all week, and you've come this morning praying for crop failure. Because you know, you did some things that you don't want to reap the consequences of. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody, I know you're out there. Listen, if it's bad now, it's about to get worse, so you need to get ready. <laughs> about to bring the heat this weekend. So Jesus in Matthew 13 and 12, and he is teaching about the kingdom of God. And he is, one after another, incredible parables, and he's using the sowing and reaping to expose those people to the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, we call it the tares and the wheat. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But wise men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and bore grain and the tares became evident also. Because you can't tell this when a wheat and a tear until the grain comes out. One's black, one's white. The slave owners, the slaves of the landowner came and said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, do you want us to then go and gather them up? But he said, no, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest and the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Fresh gather the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, there are dozens and dozens of biblical principles we can pull from this short passage, but it is pregnant with power. One is that the kingdom of God is growing in good seasons and bad seasons. The kingdom of God is always growing. Does this make sense? Even though it may be a tough season, the kingdom of God. Secondly, we have an enemy and the enemy is always there to sow seeds, to sabotage, to strangle, to poison the work of the kingdom of God through you. So Jesus compares the evil work of the enemy to sowing seeds, or what the Bible says, tares, or some of it may say weeds. But this is not just any weed, because if you've ever had a garden, you pull the weeds. That's not what this tear is. This is a little nasty weed called a darnel. And so everybody that lives in a grain world understands. Now, when you look at a wheat and a tear, a wheat and a darnel, early on, it's hard to tell the difference. Across history, darnel has been called false wheat, poison, ryegrass, wheat's evil twin, or even the drunk darnel. Why they call it that? Because if you eat the darnel, you're gonna feel woozy, sick, you're gonna be, you're gonna lose your sense of balance. It's gonna cause you to be nauseated. And folks, that's what sin does. It throws us off balance. It causes us to feel off our game. Now, the 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 Darnell is a mimic weed. It it looks like something, but it is not the same. It behaves like wheat. It cannot live without human assistance. It's got to be harvested and kept and reseeded, just like sin cannot live without human assistance. Sin doesn't happen on its own, does it? We've got to participate actively for sin to continue on. 
The Darnell survival requires that seeds be gathered, that they be harvested along with useful grains, stored, and then replanted next season. It's never done on purpose. It's done because people don't notice the difference. Sowing sin often leads to more sin. Would y'all agree? You reap what you sow. So what seeds have been planted in your life that are hurting you, your family, your marriage, your kids, your future? What, what Darnell seeds that may on the outside look good but are hurting you? So every year this weekend, it's Sunday, and you're not, you're not sure where you are about what's good and what's not, what, what you think about the church and God, and that's incredible. We want to help you, do, do, we want to help you weed some things out. But this is what we believe. We believe God brought you here this weekend, and he's got a word for you. Now, we have an enemy, all of us, who is always sowing seed in our life, seeds that are meant to poison you, distract you, destroy the kingdom, detour you from your original purpose into another purpose. Now, while that is going on, God himself is always planting good seeds. Would y'all agree with that? So who is God gonna use in this generation to sow good seeds? Will it be you? Or are you hoping God's gonna use somebody else? Next weekend, we'll bring our Heart for the Harvest offering. Have you sought the Lord about what you should bring, about how you participate, or are you just counting on somebody else to do that? Don't pick me, God. I'm just too busy. Not now, God. I'm saving up for vacation, for a new car. I can't participate now, God. Don't you think you can come back, God, when it's a better season in my life? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not gifted enough. I really don't have enough money to help, and we... We, the, listen, excuses, excuses, excuses for us not to engage in the kingdom. We will reap what we sow. Are y'all out there? Are you there? Now, if you're a Christ follower, somebody sowed some seeds into you. And those seeds they sowed into you sprouted into a harvest of your faith. We know that it was Timothy's grandmother and mother that sowed seeds into his life of the scripture that ended up being a harvest of his salvation. So as you look back, who has sown good seed into your life? I want you to think back. The two people that sowed the most seeds in my life, both are gone to heaven, but maybe they're still alive. Just, just take a moment, look back. Who sowed the seeds of the gospel into you so that it was a crop. Would you just thank God for those people or that person right now? Maybe to teach, a teacher, a parent, a pastor, maybe a neighbor. Would you just thank God for those folks right now? Father, we're grateful for obedient followers of Jesus who took you at your word and sowed seed that because of their actions, we heard the good news, and because of that, today we're on our way to heaven, we, and we will miss hell. Thank you, God. Now, Father, would you use us to do what you, what you did through others so that we might continue the kingdom in Jesus' name? And all God's people said? Now, faith promise, there's a group of ordinary people with some extraordinary faith. If you haven't been here long, 
We call those folks founders. I've done a lot of funerals of founders of Faith Promise Church. Those founders were always sowing. They, but they believed God had called them together to plant a church that hadn't been seen before anywhere in this region. <clears throat> and so they understood that they had to sow. They sowed sacrificially. They sowed generously. And they had a no holes barred attitude to build the kingdom of God. They were willing to do anything short of sin to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. As far as generosity is concerned, um, let me tell you something about those founders. They gave beyond their ability. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 89 when he was talking about some of the churches that participated in a free will offering for the relief of the Jews in Jerusalem. He said they gave not out of the surplus, they gave beyond their ability. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, let me tell you how. So we began to grow. We moved out of the building on Iroquois. We moved into the Oak Ridge Mall. It's mostly gone today. And while we were there, we bought 30 acres up here on Pellissippi, and we were going to build the, the first campus. I went to eight banks, myself and Harriet Westmoreland, who was our CFO, went to eight banks and asked for a loan. All eight banks said no, and all eight banks gave me the exact same reason. That's what they said. Dr. Stevens, we're so sorry. We can't loan you any money. Your people give too much money. I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What do you mean they give too much money? It's what every banker said. We don't think they can keep it up. Therefore, you'll default on your loan. All I said was hide and watch. That was 11 campuses ago. Come on, somebody. Come on. <clears throat> that was 500 people on a good weekend. We got 500 people lost in our bathrooms this weekend. Man, let me tell you, all those bankers saw. But see, those people gave beyond their ability. They were generous, A, in their obligation. See, the, biblically, we are, if we're a Christ, Christ follower, we are obligated to bring God the first 10% of our income. Anybody agree with that? Yes. Okay, 12 of you. Anybody agree with that? Yes. Okay, that was their obligation. They didn't just give out the obligation. Then they gave free will offerings to build the first balcony and then to help build Pellissippi and every single campus other than Pellissippi has been built. Cash has been built through Heart for the Harvest and, and they just continue because see the free will offering is over and above our tithes. So I asked Aaron Goen, our CFO, Aaron, how much have we given in Heart for the Harvest the last several years? He texts me back, $17.5 million we've given over our tithes. Why? To come on somebody to fund the kingdom. Now, that's 27 and a half years ago. There's no question the founders were faithful. Would y'all agree with that? The question is, what will the next generation do? Because the next generation is here. We have people in leadership that weren't born when Faith Promise was started. Are you with me? They weren't even born yet. So we have another generation. Will you walk with the same level of obedience and sacrifice as the generation before? Will we, will we continue to bring our tithes and our offerings to fund the vision so we can make it hard to go to hell? If you missed last weekend, Pastor Zach kicked this series off with what I believe was the best sermon that's ever been preached 
on a Faith Promise platform on Heart for the Harvest. I'm so excited. I was speaking to a group of missionaries yesterday morning when, when, the, when the prayer meeting and I was watching online, and man, I, I was so, I'm so ecstatic that Pastor Zach's gonna lead this next generation because I believe they're gonna go where we never went. Are y'all with me? I'm telling you, it's incredible. But in that message, Pastor Zach asked a question that rocked and shocked me sitting on the front row listening. What harvest is your heart set on? Listen to me, listen. If you're listening, say I am. This question is more important than you could ever know. Because the answer to that question, whether you make it deliberate or by default, will determine how, how well your life is lived out. The answer to that question will determine your level of joy here and your level of rewards in heaven. What harvest is your heart set on? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, he that sows sparingly shall reap. You don't plant three okra seeds and expect to fry anything. By the way, if you do anything with okra other than fry, just bring it to my house, because you've ruined okra. Are y'all with me? <laughs> or if you came from where I came from, okra. But Squatchy Valley, it was okra. And so you, you don't plant three corn seeds and expect an acre of corn. Does this make sense? If you sow sparingly, you're gonna reap. But if you sow bountifully, you're gonna reap. So let me tell you something, it's not for me. Heart for the harvest is so much more than money. It's a heart for the harvest. Years ago, when we began this offering, when Pastor Zach was a janitor, part-time, as he said, cleaning pee off the slides, which is right where he should have started. Come on, young adults, you don't get to start in the corner office. Are y'all with me? Nobody owes you jack. I love you. That was free, it's not even in the sermon. <laughs> but when we said we gotta call this offering something, it was Pastor Zach that said, it's gonna be the heart for the harvest. It's not about the money, it's about the people far from God. See, listen to me, listen, please get this. A lack of generosity poisons your heart. Would you agree with that? but it limits God's hand. See, it doesn't just hurt you. I mean, it doesn't just, it doesn't just, well, I'm not gonna give, no. It poisons your heart and it limits what God can do. Why would God give you resources if he can't trust you? So Jesus looks out over a group of mostly poor people, agrarian poor folks, and this is what he said, Matthew chapter six, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, listen, you guys worry about what you're gonna wear tomorrow. You're worried about where your next meal's coming from. You're worried about where you're gonna live. You're worried about how you're gonna get there. You're worried about all this stuff. Listen to me, listen to me. Red letters, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things I just listed, I'll add all those to you. Now listen, come on somebody. Do we serve a big God? Is your rent too much for God? Our God is able. I was speaking yesterday morning about 500, there's about 300 people in the room and, and they were talking about TTI, and a ministry that we support. And, and they said, we, were, we couldn't believe the numbers. We couldn't believe the numbers. The church planning was too much. And I said, listen, we have a big God. Most of our visions insult God. They're so small. We have visions that don't need God. Are y'all with me? 
I want a, listen, I want a vision that is so incredible that if God doesn't show up, I'm going to fall flat on my face. It's called faith. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. So Jesus is dealing with people with a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset limits the level of your giving. Would you agree with that? I can't give because I don't have enough. It also limits the level of your receiving. If you got a poverty mindset, God can't pour out money on you. He, he won't pour out money on you because you're going to self-sabotage because you have a spirit of poverty. East Tennessee, the Appalachians are the poorest region in the United States of America. And a spirit of poverty is all over this region. Come on, somebody, y'all with me? Man, if you have something nice and someone says, hey, that looks great, what do you say? Oh, I got it on sale. I didn't pay full price. Who cares what you paid for it? Say, thank you so much. Somebody asked for these shoes this morning. They said, dude, you are, man, you are a shoe, you, you're the shoe dude. The lady said, can I have those? She said, your feet are not big enough. I said, I got these in Israel. I can't get another pair. Are, are y'all with me? Come on, guys. If you sow seeds into the kingdom, building the kingdom of God, Jesus said, I'll provide everything you need. Houses and cars and clothes and food and everything you need. Now, let me just say how Michelle and I got here. 1990, we loaded up everything we had in a U-Haul. We pulled my CC's Corvette, she drove our minivan, and we drove to Southwest Louisiana where the state bird is a mosquito. <laughs> they did beat Alabama, but the state bird is a mosquito. So we go down. And we take this little church plant, about 25 folks, and I'm making $16,000 a year. I have three children, Mike and Zach, who wanted three to four to five. They were hobbits. They had first breakfast and second breakfast. They wanted to eat all the time, like sharks. They didn't eat. They fed. And, 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 and we didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough money. Michelle's cleaning houses. At night, I'm watching the kids. I'm doing some construction on the side, just trying to make ends meet. And at that point of our life, we decided we could trust God. At our poorest, making $16,000 a year, we began a double tithe. We went to 20%. Because we wanted to sow seeds in the kingdom, and we wanted to sow seeds to win the world. Are y'all with me? Now, listen to me, listen. listen I want you to hear my heart. I'm not trying to sock you up to give. Come on, put your big boy pants on. When we go back to those days, early days in Louisiana, starving, no insurance, no retirement, no nothing, and we saw God come through, we could have never dreamed we'd be sitting with you this morning. We never dreamed we drive what we drive, we live what we live in, and get to lead this incredible move of God. It didn't, come on, somebody, give him praise. That's right. It didn't, hey, it didn't happen overnight, but as God began to see that we were going to put him first, he began to test us. He began to, see, because God will test you to bless you. Satan will tempt you to destroy you. And let me tell you what we learned in Louisiana. You can't outgive God. So for 38 years, we've tried to outgive God. We, we tried, we shoveled to God. And God shovels back, and God's got a bigger shovel. Now, you folks that don't give, God's shovel is in his closet. 
I love you. I want more, so much. Listen, I would that everybody at Faith Promise were wealthy and had no need. Finances were not an issue. But God can't trust us like that when 80% of us don't even tithe. Are you, listen, I love you. But my job is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. My job is to bring the word of God without any bias. And your job is to do whatever you want to do with it. Are you with me? So next weekend, Michelle and I will give the biggest single offering we've ever given in our entire lives. Ever given in our entire lives. No question. No doubt. We'll cross the threshold of giving this year that we never dreamed that we would ever even make, much less give. Because as we sowed seeds, and we sowed seeds, are you with me? We sowed seeds. Now, last week, Zach seeded, he seeded the stage, man. I want to seed the, I want to seed the house. Y'all with me? Come on, somebody. Come on, man. As y'all sowed seeds, we sowed seeds. Listen, as you sow seeds, God's going to feast in Street 20 you. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think or imagine. Our God moves. Come on, somebody. Let's sow some seed. Come on. And aren't you glad you came to the house of God this weekend? Come on, Farragut. I know you can feel seeds pounding that screen. Here's the deal. <laughs> COVID happened, and we lost 1,500 people that vanished. The FBI couldn't even find them. Without a trace, they were gone. And now 1,000 new people have shown up, which we're so grateful for. But here's the deal. Listen, you put enough water in the tea, it's no longer tea. So my question is, will this next generation and these 1,000 new people put the kingdom of God first like our founders did? See, because let me tell you, those founders, because of their faith, God blessed, we have been growing a culture at Faith Promise that attracts heaven. Generosity attracts heaven. Faith attracts heaven. Are you with me? And one of the greatest, one of the greatest things we've done is be burdened for lost people. That's the heart for the harvest is, yeah, you're in, good. What about the people that are not? It gets me out of bed in the morning. 337,000 people in Knox County that if they die today, they're going to hell. They're our local field. Whether it's Blunt or what, what, wherever I can, whether it's Bledsoe or Morgan, where, does this make sense? Are you with me? And so, man, I'm praying for a move of God, signs and wonders. And as I was working on this sermon, the Lord brought something to my mind. One of the greatest miracles that we've experienced at Faith Promise is people that have been here for two, over two decades. It's hard to stay at Faith Promise for a long time because Faith Promise is not about you. It's about the people that haven't come yet. It's the heart for the harvest. And after a while, people have been here long enough, they'll come to me and say, hey, I need something else. I'm gonna go somewhere else where it's about me. And I say, listen, live long and prosper. Just, we, we love you. We, you're going to heaven, that's okay. That's on seat for somebody that's not. So it's hard to stay committed to fake promise. We could be running 20,000 on the weekend if I would shift the focus to Christians. 
We have incredible worship. We have incredible facilities. We have incredible communicators. If we just turned the focus on us, people would rock in here. And everybody else would die and go to hell. And I won't stand before the beam of seated judgment having wasted my life sipping coffee with saints while lost people squander and lose and end up in a devil's hell. Come on, somebody. That's why we do heart for the harvest, but heart for the harvest is not, it's, it's second, the money is secondary, the primary, it's the heart for the harvest. Let me show you where part of this offering is going.然后呢就把书放回去了开一些重点尤其妈妈告诉我一些一些重点想去呢他他让我非常的惊讶他看了这个希望之书啊在让他更想要积极的去了解耶稣是是什么上帝是什么我的家庭我的原生家庭呢他
伸出他的手指，然后先跟我拥抱啊！我我我吓了一跳，我想哇，爷爷比我更渴望爱哦！我我说了，上帝爱你，耶稣爱你。希望之书，呃，这这本书呢，它我觉得它的出现，它并不是偶然，要很感谢，就是呃所有赞助或者是呃支持。呃，希望之书这个活动的所有的弟兄姐妹，因为我觉得你们的努力绝对没有白。这样好像是想，好像是被耶稣唤醒了。我觉得他耶稣这个人真的很厉害。Come on, somebody! Wow! 
while we're focused on the here and now, on everything that's gonna burn. So what's God asking you to do next weekend?